Jean Bouchon by Sabine Baring Gold. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Jean Bouchon by Sabine Baring Gold. I was in Orleans a good many years ago. At the time it was my purpose to write a life of Joan of Arc, and I considered it advisable to visit the scenes of her exploits so as to be able to give my narrative some local colour. But I did not find Orleans answer to my expectations. It is a dull town, very modern in appearance, but with that measly and decrepit look which is so general in French towns. There was a place Jean d'Arc, with an equestrian statue of her in the midst flourishing a banner there was the house that the maid had occupied after the taking of the city but with the exception of the walls and rafters it had undergone so much alteration and modernization as to have lost its interest a museum of memorials of la pucelle had been formed but possessed no genuine relics only arms and tapestries of a later date the city walls she had besieged, the gate through which she had burst had been levelled, and their places taken by boulevards. The very cathedral in which she had knelt to return thanks for her victory was not the same. That had been blown up by the Huguenots, and the cathedral that now stands was erected on its ruins in 1601. There was an ormolu figure of Jean on the clock, never wound up upon the mantel-shelf in my room at the hotel, and there were chocolate figures of her in the confectioner's shop-windows, for children to suck. When I sat down at seven p.m. to table d'hote at my inn, I was out of heart. The result of my exploration of sights had been unsatisfactory, but I trusted on the morrow to be able to find material to serve my purpose in the municipal archives of the town library. My dinner ended. I sauntered to a café. That I selected opened on to the place, but there was a back entrance near to my hotel, leading through a long stone-paved passage at the back of the houses in the street, and by ascending three or four stone steps one entered the long well-lighted café. I came into it from the back by this means, and not from the front. I took my place and called for a café cognac. Then I picked up a French paper, and proceeded to read it, all but the feuilleton. In my experience I have never yet come across anyone who reads the feuilletons in a French paper, and my impression is that these snippets of a novel are printed solely for the purpose of filling up space, and disguising the lack of news at the disposal of the editors. The French papers borrow their information relative to foreign affairs largely from the English journals, so that they are a day behind ours in the foreign news that they publish. Whilst I was engaged in reading, something caused me to look up, and I noticed standing by the white marble-topped table, on which was my coffee, a waiter with a pale face and black whiskers in an expectant attitude. I was a little nettled at his precipitancy in applying for payment, but I put it down to my being a total stranger there, and without a word I set down half a franc and a ten-centime coin, the latter as his pourboire. Then I proceeded with my reading. 
i think a quarter of an hour had elapsed when i rose to depart and then to my surprise i noticed the half franc still on the table but the soup piece was gone i beckoned to a waiter and said one of you came to me a little while ago demanding payment i think he was somewhat hasty in pressing for it however i set the money down and the fellow has taken the tip and has neglected the charge for the coffee sapristi exclaimed the garçon jean bouchon has been at his tricks again i said nothing further asked no questions the matter did not concern me or indeed interest me in the smallest degree and i left next day i worked hard in the town library i cannot say that i lighted on any unpublished documents that might serve my purpose i had to go through the controversial literature relative to whether jean d'arc was burnt or not for it has been maintained that a person of the same name and also of arc died a natural death some time later and who postured as the original warrior maid i read a good many monographs on the puchel of various values some real contributions to history others mere second-hand cookings up of well-known and often used material the sauce in these latter was all that was new in the evening after dinner i went back to the same cafe and called for black coffee with a nip of brandy i drank it leisurely and then retreated to the desk where i could write some letters i had finished one and was folding it when i saw the same pale visage waiter standing by with his hand extended for payment i put my hand into my pocket pulled out a fifty centime piece and a coin of two sous and placed both beside me near the man and proceeded to put my letter in an envelope which i then directed next i wrote a second letter and that concluded i rose to go to one of the tables and to call for stamps when i noticed that again the silver coin had been left untouched but the copper piece had been taken away i tapped for a waiter tiens said i that fellow of yours has been bungling again he's taken the tip and has left the half franc ah jean bouchon once more but who is jean bouchon the man shrugged his shoulders and instead of answering my query said i should recommend monsieur to refuse to pay jean bouchon again that is supposing monsieur intends revisiting this cafe i most assuredly will not pay such a noodle i said and it passes my comprehension how you can keep such a fellow on your staff i revisited the library next day and then walked by the loire that rolls in winter such a full and turbid stream and in summer with the reduced flood exposes gravel and sandbanks i wandered around the town and endeavoured vainly to picture it enclosed by walls and drums of towers when on april twenty ninth fourteen twenty nine jean threw herself into the town and forced the english to retire discomfited and perplexed in the evening i revisited the cafe and made my wants known as before then i looked at my notes and began to arrange them whilst thus engaged i observed the waiter named jean bouchon standing near the table in an expectant attitude as before i now looked him full in the face and observed his countenance he had puffy white cheeks small black eyes thick dark mutton-chop whiskers and a broken nose 
he was decidedly an ugly man but not a man with a repulsive expression of face no said i i will give you nothing i will not pay you send another garçon to me as i looked at him to see how he took this refusal he seemed to fall back out of my range or to be more exact the lines of his form and features became confused it was much as though i had been gazing on a reflection in still water that something had ruffled the surface and all was broken up and obliterated i could see him no more i was puzzled and a bit startled and i wrapped my coffee cup with a spoon to call the attention of a waiter one sprang to me immediately see said i jean bouchon has been here again i told him that i would not pay him one sou and he has vanished in a most perplexing manner i do not see him in the room no he is not in the room when he comes in again send him to me i want to have a word with him the waiter looked confused and replied i do not think that jean will return how long has he been on your staff oh he has not been on our staff for some years then why does he come here and ask for payment for coffee and what else one may order he never takes payment for anything that has been consumed he takes only the tips but why do you permit him to do that we cannot help ourselves he should not be allowed to enter the cafe no one can keep him out this is surpassing strange he has no right to the tips you should communicate with the police the waiter shook his head they can do nothing jean bouchon died in eighteen sixty nine died in eighteen sixty nine i repeated it is so but he still comes here he never pesters the old customers the inhabitants of the town only visitors strangers tell me all about him monsieur must pardon me now we have men in the place and i have my duties in that case i will drop in here to-morrow morning when you are disengaged and i will ask you to inform me about him what is your name at monsieur's pleasure alphonse next morning in place of pursuing the traces of the maid of orleans i went to the cafe to hunt up jean bouchon i found alphonse with a duster wiping down the tables i invited him to a table and made him sit down opposite me i will give his story in substance only where advisable recording his exact words jean bouchon had been a waiter at this particular cafe now in some of these establishments the attendants are wont to have a box into which they drop all the tips that are received and at the end of the week it is opened and the sum found in it is divided pro rata among the waiters the head waiter receiving a larger portion than the others this is not customary in all such places of refreshment but it is in some and it was so in this cafe the average is pretty constant except on special occasions as when a fete occurs and the waiters know within a few francs what their perquisites will be but in the cafe where served jean bouchon the sum did not reach the weekly total that might have been anticipated and after this deficit had been noted for a couple of months the waiters were convinced that there was something wrong somewhere or somehow either the common box was tampered with or one of them did not put in his tips received 
A watch was set, and it was discovered that Jean Bouchon was the defaulter. When he had received a gratuity, he went to the box and pretended to put in the coin, but no sound followed, as would have been the case had one been dropped in. There ensued, of course, a great commotion among the waiters when this was discovered. Jean Bouchon endeavoured to brave it out, but the patron was appealed to, the case stated, and he was dismissed. As he left by the back entrance, one of the younger garçons put out his leg and tripped Bouchon up, so that he stumbled and fell headlong down the steps, with a crash on the stone floor of the passage. He fell with such violence on his forehead that he was taken up insensible. His bones were fractured, there was concussion of the brain, and he died within a few hours without recovering consciousness. "'We were all very sorry and greatly shocked,' said Alphonse. "'We did not like the man. He had dealt dishonorably by us, but we wished him no ill, and our resentment was at an end when he was dead.' The waiter who had tripped him up was arrested, and was sent to prison for some months, but the accident was due to a mauvaise plaisanterie, and no malice was in it, so that the young fellow got off with a light sentence. He afterwards married a widow with a café at Ferson, and is there, I believe, doing well. Jean Bouchon was buried continued Alphonse, and we waiters attended the funeral and held white kerchiefs to our eyes. Our head waiter even put a lemon into his, that by squeezing it he might draw tears from his eyes. We all subscribed for the interment, that it should be dignified, majestic as becomes a waiter. And do you mean to tell me that Jean Bouchon has haunted this café ever since? Ever since 1869, replied Alphonse and there is no way of getting rid of him? None at all, monsieur. One of the canons of Bourget came in here one evening. We did suppose that Jean Bouchon would not approach, molest an ecclesiastic, but he did. He took his pourboire and left the rest, just as he treated monsieur. Ah, monsieur, but Jean Bouchon did well in 1870 and 1871, when those pigs of Prussians were here in occupation. The officers came nightly to our café, and Jean Bouchon was greatly on the alert. He must have carried away half of the gratuities they offered. It was a sad loss to us. This is a very extraordinary story, said I. But it is true, replied Alphonse. Next day I left Orléans. I gave up the notion of writing the life of Joan of Arc as I found that there was absolutely no new material to be gleaned on her history. In fact, she had been thrashed out. Years passed, and I had almost forgotten about Jean Bouchon, when the other day I was in Orléans once more, on my way south, and at once the whole story recurred to me. I went that evening to the same café. It had been smartened up since I was there before. There was more plate-glass, more gilding, electric light had been introduced, there were more mirrors, and there were also ornaments that had not been in the café before. I called for café cognac, and looked at the journal, but turned my eyes on one side occasionally, on the lookout for Jean Bouchon, but he did not put in an appearance. I waited for a quarter of an hour in expectation, but saw no sign of him. 
Presently I summoned a waiter, and when he came up I inquired, But where is Jean Bouchon? Monsieur asks after Jean Bouchon? The man looked surprised. Yes, I have seen him here previously. Where is he at present? Monsieur has seen Jean Bouchon? Monsieur perhaps knew him? He died in 1869? I know that he died in 1869, but I made his acquaintance in 1874. I saw him then thrice, and he accepted some small gratuities of me. Monsieur tipped Jean Bouchon? Yes, and Jean Bouchon accepted my tips. Tiens, and Jean Bouchon died five years before. Yes, and what I want to know is how you have rid yourselves of Jean Bouchon. For that you have cleared the place of him is evident, or he would have been pestering me this evening. The man looked disconcerted and irresolute. Hold, said I, is Alphonse here? No, monsieur, Alphonse has left two or three years ago, and monsieur saw Jean Bouchon in 1874. I was not then here. I have been here only six years. But you can in all probability inform me of the manner of getting quit of Jean? Monsieur, I am very busy this evening. There are so many gentlemen come in. I will give you five francs if you will tell me all, all succinctly about Jean Bouchon. Will monsieur be so good as to come here tomorrow during the morning? And then I place myself at the disposition of monsieur. I shall be here at eleven o'clock. At the appointed time I was at the café. If there is an institution that looks ragged and dejected and dissipated, it is a café in the morning, when the chairs are turned upside down, the waiters are in aprons and shirt-sleeves, and a smell of stale tobacco lurks about the air, mixed with various other unpleasant odours. The waiter I had spoken to on the previous evening was looking out for me. I made him seat himself at a table with me. No one else was in the saloon except another garçon, who was dusting with a long feather-brush. "'Monsieur,' began the waiter, "'I will tell you the whole truth. The story is curious, and perhaps everyone would not believe it, but it is well documenté. Jean Bouchon was at one time in service here. We had a box. When I say we, I do not mean myself included, for I was not here at the time. I know about the common box. I know the story down to my visit to Orléans in 1874, when I saw the man. Monsieur has perhaps been informed that he was buried in the cemetery? I do know that, at the cost of his fellow-waiters. Well, monsieur, he was poor, and his fellow-waiters, though well-disposed, were not rich, so he did not have a grave en perpetuité. Accordingly, after many years, when the term of consignment was expired, and it might well be supposed that Jean Bouchon had mouldered away, his grave was cleared out to make room for a fresh occupant. Then a very remarkable discovery was made. It was found that his corroded coffin was crammed, literally stuffed with five and ten centime pieces, and with them were also some German coins, no doubt received from those pigs of Prussians during the occupation of Orléans. 
this discovery was much talked about our proprietor of the cafe and the head waiter went to the mayor and represented to him how matters stood that all this money had been filched during a series of years since eighteen sixty nine from the waiters and our patron represented to him that it should in all propriety and justice be restored to us the mayor was a man of intelligence and heart and he quite accepted this view of the matter and ordered the surrender of the whole coffin load of coins to us the waiters of the cafe so you divided it amongst you pardon monsieur we did not it is true that the money might legitimately be regarded as belonging to us but then those defrauded or most of them had left long ago and there were among us some who had not been in service in the cafe more than a year or eighteen months we could not trace the old waiters some were dead some had married and left this part of the country we were not a corporation so we held a meeting to discuss what was to be done with the money we feared moreover that unless the spirit of jean bouchon were satisfied he might continue revisiting the cafe and go on sweeping away the tips it was of paramount importance to please jean bouchon to lay out the money in such a manner as would commend itself to his feelings one suggested one thing one another one proposed that the sum should be expended on masses for the repose of jean's soul but the head waiter objected to that he said that he thought he knew the mind of jean bouchon and that this would not commend itself to it he said did our head waiter that he knew jean bouchon from head to heels and he proposed that all the coins should be melted up and that out of them should be cast a statue of jean bouchon in bronze to be set up here in the cafe as there was not enough coins to make one large enough to be erected in a place if monsieur will step with me he will see the statue it is a superb work of art he led the way and i followed in the midst of the cafe stood a pedestal and on this basis a bronze figure about four feet high it represented a man reeling backward with a banner in his left hand and the right raised towards his brow as though he had been struck there by a bullet a sabre apparently fallen from his grasp lay at his feet i studied the face and it most assuredly was utterly unlike jean bouchon with his puffy cheeks mutton-chop whiskers and broken nose as i recalled him but said i the features do not pardon me at all resemble those of jean bouchon this might be the young augustus or napoleon the first the profile is quite greek it may be so replied the waiter but we had no photograph to go by we had to allow the artist to exercise his genius and above all we had to gratify the spirit of jean bouchon i see but the attitude is inexact jean bouchon fell down the steps headlong and this represents a man staggering backwards it would have been inartistic to have shown him precipitated forwards besides the spirit of jean might not have liked it quite so i understand but the flag that was an idea of the artist jean could not be made holding a coffee cup you will see the whole makes a superb subject art has its exigencies monsieur will see underneath it an inscription on the pedestal 
I stooped, and with some astonishment read, Jean Bouchon, Mort sur la Chambre de Gloire, 1870. Dulce et decorum est pro patria mori. Why, objected I, he died from falling a cropper in the back passage, not on the field of glory. Monsieur, all Orleans is a field of glory. Under St. Agnan did we not repel Attila and his hands in 451? Under Jean d'Arc did we not repulse the English? Monsieur will excuse the allusion. In 1429 did we not recapture Orleans from the Germans in November 1870? That is all very true, I broke in. But Jean Bouchon neither fought against Attila nor with La Pucelle nor against the Prussians. Then Dulce et decorum est pro patria mori is rather strong considering the facts. How? Does not monsieur see that the sentiment is patriotic and magnificent? I admit that, but dispute the application. Then why apply it? The sentiment is all right but by implication it refers to Jean Bouchon, who died not for his country, but in a sordid coffee-house brawl. Then again the date is wrong. Jean Bouchon died in 1869, not in 1870. That is only out by a year. Yes, but with this mistake of a year, and with the quotation from Horace, and with the attitude given to the figure, any one would suppose that Jean Bouchon had fallen in the retaking of Orléans from the Prussians. Ah, monsieur, who looks on a monument and expects to find thereon the literal truth relative to the deceased? This is something of a sacrifice to truth, I demurred. Sacrifice is superb, said the waiter. There is nothing more noble, more heroic than sacrifice but not the sacrifice of truth. Sacrifice is always sacrifice. Well, said I, unwilling further to dispute, this is certainly a great creation out of nothing. Not out of nothing, out of the coppers that Jean Bouchon had filched from us, and which choked up his coffin. Jean Bouchon has been seen no more? No, monsieur. And yet, yes, once— when the statue was unveiled. Our patron did that. The café was crowded. All our habitués were here. The patron made a magnificent oration. He drew a superb picture of the moral, intellectual, social, and political merits of Jean Bouchon. There was not a dry eye among the audience, and the speaker choked with emotion. Then, as we stood in a ring not too near, we saw— I was there, and I distinctly saw, so did the others, Jean Bouchon standing with his back to us, looking intently at the statue of himself. Monsieur, as he thus stood, I could discern his black mutton-chop whiskers projecting upon each side of his head. Well, sir, not one word was spoken. A dead silence fell upon all. Our patron ceased to speak and wiped his eyes and blew his nose. A sort of holy awe possessed us all. Then, after the lapse of some minutes, Jean Bouchon turned himself about, and we all saw his puffy pale cheeks, 
his thick sensual lips, his broken nose, his little pig's eyes. He was very unlike his idealized portrait in the statue, but what matters that? It gratified the deceased, and it injured no one. Well, monsieur, Jean Bouchon stood facing us, and he turned his head from one side to another, and gave us all what I may term a greasy smile. Then he lifted up his hands, as though invoking a blessing on us all, and vanished. Since then he has not been seen. End of Jean Bouchon by Sabine Baring Gold Read by Lars Rolander